Hi, I'm Jared Fuller. Welcome to Scratching the Surface. On this episode, I have an incredibly energizing conversation with Carl DeSalvo. Carl is an associate professor at the Georgia Institute of Technology in their digital media program. His work and research spans everything from critical design to social design, design research, and the humanities. All of this is explored in his fascinating new book, Design as Democratic Inquiry, Putting Experimental Civics into Practice. This book explores something that Carl calls designing otherwise, or what it looks like to design outside of a market capitalist system, thinking about the role of design in democracy and in experimental civics. The book, though, is also a type of criticism, and he looks closely at the limits of design practice, uh, kind of generally, and also specifically speculative design and social design practices. It's a fascinating book, and this, I think, is a really fascinating conversation about all of those things. We begin talking about the book and his goals for the ideas within it, but we also talk about teaching, we talk about writing, and what it means to do design otherwise. Carl's energy, I think you'll see, is contagious, and I left this conversation inspired and hopeful, and I hope that you do too. I think there's a lot in here that we can learn from. If you like Scratching the Surface, I hope you consider supporting it on Patreon. We offer three monthly tiers, $3 for students, $5 for patrons, and $10 for superfans. Every tier gives you access to all sorts of bonus content like monthly newsletters, early episodes, full transcripts, and exclusive interviews, all while helping to financially support this show. So if you like Scratching the Surface, if you want to see it continue, if you want to see more of it in the world, I hope you consider joining us on Patreon. You can visit patreon.com slash surface podcast for all the details and to help support the show. Thanks for your support, and here is my conversation with Carl DeSalvo. I loved your new book that just came out, uh, Design is Democratic Inquiry, and there's a lot of things embedded in this book that I want to talk about, but I think to begin, could you sort of describe this book for people who haven't read it or who are unfamiliar with your work? What What is your goal for this book or what is this book about? In many ways, this is a very personal book. Even though it's an academic book, it's also a very personal book. So I had been involved in a series of projects that were really sort of supporting activism in, in different contexts. And I had been involved in these projects for several years and involved in these projects as an academic, right? Mm -hmm. And I was trying to talk about these and I would try to share the out. And time and time again, I just found myself stumbling, right? I couldn't quite figure out how to talk about this work or I would talk about this work. And sometimes people would scratch their head and say, well, there's nothing new in what you're talking about, right? And then other times I would talk about this work and people would be like, I don't have any idea what this has to do with design. <laughs> right, right. And so yeah. I really like, okay, I, I mean, for me, what I what I use the book in a way is to say, I'm really committed to this idea that we can use design as a way of participating in democracy. And what became clear to me is that part of doing that is figuring out and sharing new ways to think about and talk about and do design because we have a, a, a wealth of language, but so much of that language 
is really oriented towards market settings. And not only that, like a, a very particular kind of market settings. And, and so the book was my attempt to say, you know, what are these different narratives and theories of design that we need to develop um, in order to take seriously this idea of design being a way to participate in democracy and, and to do that in a way that doesn't need to find value or explanation in the kind of market dominant um, logics that, that we tend to have in design. So I want to say one other thing really quickly, and that's that some people say, oh, well, is this a, is this a book against markets or is this, a, is this like an anti-capitalist book? And, and my argument to that is no. I mean, we can have that discussion, but to me, that's another discussion. It's, it's really as simple as saying democracy is a particular thing. And when we design for it, we should understand that it's different than designing for um, making, you, you know, the next um, photography app on, on your phone or whatever. Like, like I mean, this, the phrase I used recently is you wouldn't ask a typographer to use a letterpress to design a chair. <laughs> so why would we think that the... The, the, the words and the skills and the methods and the criticism that we use to support capitalism would be the same ones to use to support democracy. I, I mean, you set up all the questions that I have, that I have in there. I want to come back to that <laughs> that sort of critique that you said, or the question that you, you have people ask you about sort of like, is this against market? I want to come back to that. But, sure. um, you know, right on the first page of the book, you 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 state something similar to that and you use this term designing otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that phrase and what that means to you, especially in this context that you're talking about here. Sure. There's, there's a number of folks um, who use, I think the phrase otherwise I've mm -hmm. seen it in, 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 in other contexts. And, and to me, it's a really good phrase because it points out that, we're trying to think about and do things differently. And in some ways that's it. Um, at the same time, I admit it's an awkward phrase. Like the editor, uh, one of the editors, it, 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 it drove one of the editors crazy because they were like, otherwise to what? Like there must've been a hundred comments on that in, the, in one draft. And, um, but I think it stands on its own is to say, look, we have a standard way um, in which we, we understand design. Um, and yet that's not the only way, right? And in fact, there's a lot of other people. There's, there's a history at least 100 years old of other people saying mm -hmm. design can do things more than just sort of um, serve the market or for that matter, serve government in a status quo sort of way. And, and for me, I love design. I'm not always sure why <laughs> I love design. <laughs> But I do. And we can, I, 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 I love design. And so I don't want to give it up. And yet there's parts of it that aren't working for me and I think aren't working for others. And, and so when I say otherwise, it's, it's saying, let's not, let's, let's not get rid of design. Mm. But let's recognize that there's a breadth of things that we could be doing, that we actually are doing within that word. 
I think you, I mean, you, you totally just sort of unlocked why I was so drawn to the book and captivated by it because I'm exactly like you and that I, I also love design and many days don't know why and think, you know, maybe we should just throw all this away. Maybe this isn't doing anything. And I think that's what was so interesting to me about the book. And we're sort of getting into the weeds of this a little bit, but I think this is an interesting conversation. And I think you state this early in the book also is that you also see this book as a type of design criticism, as a critique of what design is and and also what design can be. You have this great line. I'm going to read back to you something that I that I loved sort of midway through the book where you say, there are always other ways of knowing, making, and doing. It would be sheer vanity and conceit to think that any problem expressed through design might be addressable by design. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that just sums up so much of the the... A, the philosophy that you're kind of, the philosophies you're talking about in the book, but also my sort of philosophy of design. And I apologize if I'm just asking the same question to you in different ways. Um, But can you, can you also talk about kind of how you see this book as a type of, of design criticism? And and I want to hear you talk more about this uh, loving design and not sure why, and the kind of critique of it that you want to, you want to make here. Sure. One of the things design offers us, I believe, are structured approaches to creativity and and to making. And one of the things that was interesting, if I can reflect a little bit, so um, I spent the first 10 years of my career in a department with mostly humanities scholars. Mm. And this was incredibly important to me and 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 those colleagues are near and dear to me and one of the things i learned from them was in fact how special that idea of a structured way of making is right mm-hmm. that, that in fact it doesn't occur by accident um, it happens in a way that's different i think than art or craft but related um, and so with design you know that structured way of making that those structured approaches to creativity, I believe can be really important in helping us think about the question, how might we make the world differently? Mm-hmm. We don't want to make, if we want to make the world differently, like if we believe this idea that other worlds are possible and we can, we can make them, we don't want to have that happen by accident and, and design can contribute in that way. And that's the part of design that I love, right? The, the part of design right. that says, look, whatever whatever the ends are, right? In, in the case of the book, if like if the ends are a neighborhood that wants to have more agency in, in how data is collected about that neighborhood and how that data is used, or if a um, nonprofit right, wants to redistribute the excesses of food to those who are in need, right? If, if those are the other worlds that, that these organizations want to make possible, design can be a way to contribute to that. And, and, and to me, that's, that's the amazing potential yeah. of design. Um, the challenge is that so often when we try to do that, we get wrapped up in all of these expectations, um, you know, like that somehow the work that we do as designers is going to be definitive right or that it's going to be transformative or that 
we're going to have um, that this that this perspective we bring is somehow going to upend every other perspective and and going to be the one that finally gets the change to happen. And that's just not the case. Right? And so that's right. what we're like. That's the that's the stuff I want to let go of. Um, and I understand where that's coming from. Like if you're designing a product, right, you don't want to stand up and say, well, we designed this new car and it's OK. Right. Like <laughs> there's some things about it that work and there's a lot that we didn't figure out. Right. And like that doesn't that's not helpful in that context. But in the context of democracy or in civics, actually, that's the reality. And 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 in part, what I'm trying to argue and, and, and what I'm trying to write as a demonstration is we can do that. We can stand up and say, hey, we, we, we contributed. And some of it some of it helped and some of it didn't help. Right. And right. And we're still going on to do this. And that's an okay and perhaps even appropriate way to talk about design in this context. So I have a question uh, that, <laughs> that maybe should have been the first question that uh-huh. I that I was now kind of thinking about this. Um, and you spend a lot of time in the book, sort of really clearly defining your terms. Uh, you know, what do you mean by experimental civics? What do you mean by democratic inquiry? What do you mean by design experiment? You talk about all this in the book, but for people who haven't read the book, I think you know just to you know, it's interesting to hear you say this. How do you define design? What and and you even said earlier that some you talk about this with people, and they're like, "What's that have to do with design?" In this context, how do you define design? <laughs> it's the biggest question of the of the interview. Um, I I'll hedge on that, right? I mean, I think that for me, design design is a structured way of making. And, and it involves um, conception and planning and production of, um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded one of my advisors had this definition of design, which was something, this was Dick Buchanan, and it was something to the effect of like, design is the human capacity to conceive, plan, and make all of the uh. products and services um, that serve our collective ends. And, and I think that I actually have lots of issues with some of those words. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but I think that for me, des- de- design is a kind of, of, of planful making. Yeah. And where, where a lot of that emphasis is, is on the concept and planning. And so if we were to compare it, like one thing I, I like to do when talking about this is to compare it to other practices. And so if we were to compare design, let's say to craft, um, this may be controversial, but I, I would argue that one of the differences is that designers often don't actually get involved in the material production of mm. what they're making, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas craftspeople tend to more often be involved in that material production of what they're making. And I don't see that as a shortcoming of design. In fact, I see that as one of the things that really design lo- lies in that um, in that idea of planning and concept. Right. Um, and, and making is there, but it's a very different relationship, I think, to material um, than you would have in craft. 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I had Glenn Adamson on the show, uh-huh. uh, I don't know, a year or two ago, one of the you know country's kind of foremost craft historians. And I kind of talked to him about this sort of difference also. And, and then we had like an hour discussion just about what, what's the difference between craft and design. And I think, you know, I, I think sort of that description, um, I think he would approve. <laughs> um, I, uh, but, the but re- if I can say like one thing that I think, like I think it's important also to to complicate things, right? Because you could say, but Carl, you made a lot of the things that you write about, and and that's true, right? It, there was, and so I do think it's not that design doesn't um, involve making. I, I actually will hold near and dear to this that that part of what we do as designers is that we we make things. We don't just plan them. We also make them. Um, and, 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 and I think that there's a lot we can and should learn from looking at what, what's the relationship between design and craft and design and art and not in a way that is trying to claim, um, ground for one or the other, Mm -hmm. but to really see it as multiple practices of making and, and understanding how we do things in ways that are similar and different. Yeah, and I I have a couple questions about that that um that I'm uh, that I want to ask you later. Uh, <laughs> but but, uh, but I want to I want to go I want to keep this at the book sure. level for a second um, because you you mentioned right at the beginning that this is a, a very personal book for mm-hmm. you and it it is structured um, I don't know if you would call them case studies but it is centered around mm-hmm. projects that you worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your city, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be very easy for people. And and if I was not familiar with your work a little bit when this book arrived at, at my door, I probably would have had this thought also. When I when I hear people talking about social design or design in, in civics, I kind of roll my eyes and, and tune out, honestly, a lot of times mm-hmm. because, you know, it it sort of conjures up these old ideas of the the designer savior, the designer's hero, design can solve every problem. Uh, and, and those always just fall flat. It's always just another, it's often just kind of another type of control, another type of, um, you know, kind of pushing things onto people that didn't ask for it. There's all sorts of, you know, issues that I have with a lot of the ways these things are talked about and a theme of the show has been sort of the limits of things like design thinking or mm-hmm. social design or participatory design. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was so excited to hear you wrestle with a lot of these in your book and in your own work. And you describe this work as sort of mixing speculative and critical design with social design. Mm-hmm. And both of those, both speculative and critical design is an area that I'm very fascinated by, but also am, am critical of for various reasons. And same with social design. I'm wondering if you could talk about how you started to think about bringing those together or how bringing those together could weirdly start to almost uh, like counteract the critiques of those or start to kind of move beyond some of the the limits of both of those practices when they're practiced individually. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yes. The, the, the critiques of speculative and critical design and social design and participatory design are all well-earned critiques. <laughs> and, and we need them and we need to keep leveling them. At the same time, you know, in each of these 
there are qualities that are compelling. So, you, you know, the, the, the focus in speculative and critical design on the idea of trying to, to think about the consequences of mm-hmm. technology, design, government, right? The, 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 the consequences of the things that are being made and brought into this world um, and to communicate and express those consequences um, and possibilities in, in compelling ways, that, that seems exciting to me, right? That seems like mm-hmm. something that's worth doing. Um, in particular, f- for me, what's interesting is when you think about, can we use that approach to express possibilities? And, and then with social design, the, the idea that the idea that the that the designer can make meaningful contributions um, to the kinds of programs and the stuff that supports those programs um, mm. that have public benefit again right, th- this this seems like a good thing um, and and so the question I was interested in is like how can we draw from these? And and in particular, there's a you know there's a there's a concept in 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 politics and there's a student who was here who who now works as a designer, Mariam Assad, who has written on this about this idea of prefiguration. Mm-hmm. And and the idea of prefiguration is not that we imagine some future social or political conditions, but that we begin to make parts of them in the moment, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and that we make them and that we live within them and that we learn from that. And to me, if you squint, like that could be this thing that happens at the overlap of critical and speculative, social and participatory design practices. I'm 100% on board with what you're, what you're saying. And I'm also worried that it's it might be too abstract for people who are not familiar with your work basically and so could you talk um i can get really specific yeah can you can you talk about a project where these things come together i guess um you know for for people who who haven't read the book to start to kind of hear what you mean when you talk about kind of bringing these together sure so I, i i've done i've worked with an organization in atlanta for almost a decade now called concrete jungle and concrete jungle provides food to um, people who are in need of food. And originally, Concrete Jungle was urban foragers. So in Atlanta, we have a lot of fruit trees and we have a long growing season. And, you know, you can walk through public parks and pick apples or blueberries or persimmons. And what Concrete Jungle was really interested in is, okay, can we can we gather these foods and then bring them to people who are in women's shelters and, and runaway shelters and, and, and so on and so forth? When you look at, at, at that kind of urban foraging as a practice, it's not going to solve food insecurity, right? There's just not enough fruit right, growing. Right. And, and, and fruit's not enough really to sustain us. But that's a kind of practice that we can go about doing with the idea of like, well, what do we learn from that? And how do we learn to see our surroundings differently? Mm-hmm. And how do we suddenly realize that 
yes, there is hunger and there are also places in which we can take from the excess that exists and redistribute it. So this is not a massive upheaval of the food system. This is a very modest act. That modest act still has meaning for the people who, who, who become foragers, who spend time with this organization, who work with the various um, services that, that <laughs> the food is given to. Um, so to me, that's a very concrete example of, of, of sort of this idea of working in the small or this idea of thinking about how, how can the world be different and how can we begin to, to live some of that right now? And what can you talk about the role of the designer specifically in there? And, and a common oh. theme in the book is that you are always in partnership with a variety of people and your position specifically changes from project to project. And I think often when we talk about these projects, it's seen as the designer is, is heading this or it's, it's talked about like the designer is sort of leading leading this charge. And in, in all of your projects, you're very clear to say that it is like not really the case that it's like that. How do you how do you kind of see your position in these these uh, projects? Sure. I mean, my my position is very much to follow mm. and or or word that um, that like I have a, a very good friend that I often work with named Amanda Ming, and I have to give her credit. She she has us thinking about the word accompany. Right? So mm -hmm. what does it mean to accompany others and on their journeys, right? So it's not, it's not the design hero's journey, right? It's not the journey right. of I'm a champion of innovation. Instead, it's how do I accompany these others on their journey? And then what are the capacities that I can bring in that process? And, and those capacities vary, right? Sometimes it's, oh, I know how to make a map, right? So with Concrete Jungle, it's like, I can help you create a map. And sometimes those capacities are the fact that I'm uh, a professor at a large state school right, mm -hmm. in that city. And I can say, oh, I can show up at the community meeting um, as a representative of this institution. And that's another capacity. And it's always thinking about what's what's the capacity that I can share, but I'm not leading these projects. So, you know, with Concrete Jungle, um, they came to me at one point. I, I had been here a couple of years, and one of the founders we went out um, and met during the day, and he said, "Carl, can can we have a drone?" And I was like, you want a drone? Like I had worked on robots when I was a grad student and I hate robots. And <laughs> I thought like, finally, I don't have to worry about robots anymore. And then here's this organization. And what they want is a drone to fly around Atlanta to see if they can spot fruit trees. Right? So mm. the answer was, sure. Sure. I mean, if that's what you want to start with, let's try it. Um, yeah. And, and so that's, a, you're right. That's a very different kind of position as a designer. I want to go back to kind of your something you said right at the beginning about how people ask you if you're against markets, you know, sure. or against commerce. Um, and I have a sort of two part question ar around this, because 
I have a lot of students and I've encountered a lot of designers. And honestly, maybe I, I include myself in, in this list also. Someone who kind of, you know, works in uh, sort of right outside of the, of the spaces that you're working in, in, in a more sort of traditional kind of market capitalism space, but it, interested in these more uh, kind of social practices or these kind of civics practices. How how does one kind of make that move or start to involve themselves in these types of projects is one, one question. And then the other question is, are there lessons for, uh, and maybe this is your way to say how you're not against these things. Are there lessons that we can take from, from this type of work that actually could filter back into a more commercial practice? Commercial design is really important. We, I mean, I like nice design things. Many people do, and and so this is the this is where I always um, try to, to try to convey that. And and the same with industry. Um, I think that industry is an important part of society. Right? We need mm-hmm. we need industry, and and we need jobs. Right, and people should have jobs. So it's never. Or at least in this case, it's not presented as against that. How do we get started in it? You get started by showing up. So, mm. you know, with the community work that we've done, it's it's always about showing up, and that showing up takes time. And so, it could be going to community meetings and um, volunteering, or it could be attending city council discussions when they're public right? and, mm-hmm. and listening and, and where appropriate sharing. Involvement in this kind of work starts by showing up. It's really important when you show up that you know what your capacities and limits are because most mm-hmm. of this work doesn't have a set boundary. So this is where it gets very difficult sometimes. It's not like I'm going to show up for a month. If you know you're only going to show up for a month, you should let everyone know <laughs> I'm only going to show up for a month. Um, so I think it starts with showing up. And I think when you show up, you need to have a sense of, of how long you're in this for. And it's probably going to be right. a bit. Right. Um, and, it, and it begins with learning. So I think one of the really interesting things that we need to be doing as designers now, and I think one of the really interesting things I'm hoping happened throughout COVID is that we all began to learn how to be in the world differently. We, mm. we suddenly began to learn about different ways that we could be there for each other, about different ways that we missed each other. We need to start with learning. Um, I would say if, if you're out there and you want to do this kind of work, find an organization that's close to you, that does something that's meaningful to you, and just start showing up. I asked, just to, just to be honest, I asked that question, you know, very selfishly because I have, I've had students over the years who are, you know, kind of interested in, in varying levels of this type of of practice, whether that is on the more kind of social side or even, even, even in the more kind of critical speculative kind of, kind of modes, they're interested in, um, 
doing a lot of things that you're talking about. And then they're also really anxious about getting jobs um, or, you know, being able to pay off their loans or um, trying to figure out how to weigh, you know, what they should do. Um, and, you know, I always want to tell them, you know, you know, you know, do do the things that are interesting to you. But I know that that's not always a reality for everybody. And so I'm always interested in these these sort of designing otherwise that we're mm -hmm. talking about, how that otherwise can then influence the the not otherwise. Um, sure. Sure. You know, the 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 standard or the traditional so they can you know, students can kind of have that agency. They can kind of take these ideas and actually kind of embed them in places where they maybe don't exist already. Sure. There's a couple of things you brought up. So I, one is this idea about how do how do we get involved as, let's say, academics or how do we get involved? How do how do our students get involved? And, and I, I don't talk about this, but one of the things we can do as academics, because oftentimes we're here longer than anyone else, right? Like, <laughs> you can't yeah. get rid of us once we're here. Um, and and that becomes an interesting place to be because we can help hold those relationships longer than a semester, longer than mm. a master's degree, longer than even an undergraduate degree. And we can create those spaces that allow students to come in and out and provide that continuity so that those students coming in and out doesn't do damage to the organization because we're right. still here. And I think that's a very interesting role for us to try to take on. Most of the students, when I work with students, don't go on to these kinds of positions, but there are many of these kinds of positions out there. And so whenever a student says, I, I have student loans, right? Which is very real. Or mm -hmm. I just, I want a job, right? Which is also very real. Yeah. My, my first response is like, think about what you actually need and then we can look together. Because if you look, you know, there are these websites out there that um, where they have jobs for various kinds of nonprofits or government. And there's plenty of design work out there. And the question that, folks really need to answer is what does a design career look to them? Mm -hmm. Really interesting to, to this question about what is a practice or what is my practice? And I wish that we would all think about that more Yeah, and be, because does your practice need to sustain a certain lifestyle because you have to take care of other people or because you have incredible student loan debt right um, or are there other ways that you can put together a practice that allow you um, to work at a nonprofit or to work for government or you know can you think of a practice where you actually put boundaries on on your on your quote unquote day job right right and then you find the time to participate in mutual aid, right? So I think that that question to me is, you know, what what what's the practice that we want to aspire to, um, and then figuring out how to put that practice together. 
can we talk about your practice and the evolution of kind of your practice specifically? Because I'm very curious how you got into all of this. You have a BFA in studio arts and, and media arts. You worked as an interaction designer early in your career. Can you sort of talk about, um, you know, how your own work has evolved and your own understanding of design and what you do has changed? Sure. I, I'll, I'll go back what for me seems pretty far. So <laughs> I, I, I graduated from a large state school with a degree in um, media arts, which at the time meant basically some animation and a lot of video work. And the timing was such that it, it was a time when, when people were suddenly getting interested in media design and interactive media. And so I was able to start working in small design companies. I was also really lucky because I was in Minneapolis at the time and Minneapolis at that time was a bit of a, a bit of a hotbed for design experimentation. So mm. there was a designer who was there who sadly passed away named Scott Makala and Oh right. Yeah. He was doing stuff with type and layout that was just like, like no one had seen yeah. this before. And he was part of a group of, of, of younger designers. And so, you know, like you could go and you would see um, uh, uh, Makala and these others give talks at the Walker Art Center. Mm -hmm. And it really sort of blurred these lines. And at the same time, then what I, what I did, because I did have this arts background, I got very fortunate. The Walker Art Center at the time was launching its first new media initiative. And... Um, I started, I wrote to them and said, I, I would like to contribute to this. And like any good curator and museum program developer, like they immediately realized that I was a sucker for volunteering. And um, <laughs> so I spent years helping them um, sort of put together online contemporary art programming. Then I ended up in San Francisco. And again, that was a very lucky situation. It was um, the first dot-com mm. bubble and crash. And we got to work on really interesting projects. And while I was there, I met someone um, who also had an art degree. And he got me working in this tactical media collective. Um, and we were doing these kinds of digital political art projects. Mm. And in the midst of doing all of that, I had this amazing creative director and I went to him one day and I said, oh, I have all these questions. And he said, you don't get to ask questions. As a <laughs> he said, if you want to ask the questions, you need to go back and get a PhD. Um, and so I did. And, and really like that conversation with wow. that creative director, um, it was very heartfelt. And he was like, yes, these are really interesting things. But if you continue along this route, you will get to work on them. But but you're, you know, you're not going to get to answer some of those yeah, questions yeah. you're asking. So I went back and I did a PhD at Carnegie Mellon, which at the time um, uh, had recently launched its PhD in design program. And it was fantastic. Um, I really learned a lot. And I graduated from that and then I did a one year postdoc and I decided I wanted to shift my work. So my PhD work was neither participatory nor really political. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this artwork on this on the side throughout it. 
and I, I made a, a, a shift and I just, I took a year and I just did all sorts of community-based design projects. Um, and that was sort of the, the, the turning point in my career. And then I made a decision that I didn't want to go and teach in a school of design. Mm. And so I ended up at Georgia tech. Um, and that was very deliberate. I wanted to be around a place that would help me develop as a writer. Mm. And, um, I chose to come to Georgia tech because I knew that there was a fantastic group of people here who were writing really interesting things about technology and art and design. Um, and I got here, and since I got here, I have been doing, continuing to do um, this sort of engaged participatory design work for the last 15 years. Why was it important to you to, to learn how to be a writer? Or what is, um, kind of where did, how does that kind of fit in? And, and how do you see the role of writing in your work now? I was not a good writer. I mean, I my mm. undergrad degree was in art, right? I did a master's in this interdisciplinary masters, which basically meant I took a lot of cultural studies classes, which basically meant I read a lot of really bad writing and right. tried yeah. to emulate yeah. it right as a 22 year old. And um, I knew that writing was going to be important. It was an important part of how okay. I wanted to participate as a designer. Like I, I think that one of the things that we can and should do is, is to write about design work. And I think writing about it as a designer is also important yeah and i knew that if i went to a school of design i i would get to teach interesting studios and maybe i end up being like the history or theory person but i really mm. wanted to be in an environment where i was surrounded by other people who took writing seriously as a craft that's so yeah that's so i i could ask you a million questions about about that at um at georgia tech you have dual appointments is this right in both the school of interactive computing and the school of literature media and communication yeah my primary appointment is now in the school of interactive computing i was in the school of literature media and communication for about a decade and then i moved down the hall um mostly for sort of boring internal reasons um it truly is down the hall right we're, we're actually okay. it's one of the things that's sort of amazing about georgia tech as an institution I moved from one corner of the third floor to the other corner of the third floor. Okay. So did that, did that change any, I mean, this is like maybe boring, like bureaucratic questions, but did that change anything in your work? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about sort of, you know, how departments are structured and, and, you know, the types of students that you were teaching, were you, are you doing the same thing and it's just, you know, you're sort of in a different environment now? I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching very different classes. So okay. going from um, sort of humanities and digital media program to a computing program, they're just, um, the computing program is just much, much, much larger. And mm. so it means going from thinking about how do I teach design to, to eight students or 12 students versus how do I teach design now to 60 students? So, so there's some there's some differences in, in teaching, but 
because the Institute is interdisciplinary, because my own work is interdisciplinary, it, it actually hasn't changed. So are you teaching students who are not designers? Um, or are these students who are you know wanting to become designers? What kind of students do you have? That's a difficult question to answer. Um, oh, interesting. So many of the students I teach will go on to be either UX designers or UX researchers. Got it. Okay. Which is, you know, there's a whole conversation we can have about how the field of design is developing and, and, yeah. and what, you know, what are these different fields. Um, but that's what I teach at the master's level. And then okay. I, teach, um, I teach the theory class at the PhD level, which is probably okay. no surprise. So <laughs> how... How do how do the students sort of engage with these ideas that you write about and and you know kind of deal with in your work? Is this is this something that they sort of gravitate to pretty quickly? I'm thinking about right at the beginning of the conversation when you said some people say this is nothing new, some people say what does this have to do with design in your sort of specific department in your specific school in your specific city? How do students react to this? So for a lot of students, this isn't what they're interested in. And I respect that. So we'll talk about this in class. We'll do some readings on this in class. And for a lot of them, particularly the ones that I'm teaching, sort of that um, UX design work to, this is not going to be what their careers are about. So I see my role as bringing this into the classroom um, and then also letting it be. What's amazing is that there's always students who want to pick this up for projects. So I have a fantastic PhD student now who is working with a group of housing activists in Atlanta and exploring like how design and data can support them in their push to make housing a human right and to fight back against um, evictions. And master students in the past who have worked with various organizations around the city and and there's always students who want to engage in this work and that's exciting i want to go back to something you said earlier about um you know sort of this idea of designing otherwise and Mm -hmm. what we can learn from art and craft and you have this line on your website actually where you say that sort of one of your interests is what what other worlds of design are possible? How can we cultivate more varied pedagogies and practices of design? How can we learn from art, craft, and activism? How can we describe, theorize, and work towards an expanded field of design? Yeah. And my sort of one and a half questions here is, where are the areas that you're interested in right now? What are those other worlds of design that you're sort of most excited about? And then you know, how, how is this playing out sort of in your work or in the work of your students or in the work of, you know, colleagues and, you know, people that you're familiar with? Mm-hmm. So many answers. So over the past couple of years, I've become really interested in craft and mm-hmm. actually in regional craft. I want to be really clear. I actually know nothing about this. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, there are people who know me well who roll their eyes because I I have in the past been admittedly snarky towards Mm. um, aspects of craft. But what I've come to appreciate of with craft is that kind of intimacy in the making, the ways in which craftspeople actually make things that are meant to to be used and consumed. 
um, and yet of a of a in a different way. And so, and I've been particularly interested in sort of understanding the crafts that are happening in in the southeast because it turns out that there's a vibrant craft community here. And partially, mm-hmm. what I also want to do through this work is to learn, right? To learn from people who have found ways to survive and thrive through making in really unjust and environmentally fraught conditions. Mm-hmm. And to me, if you look at a lot of these communities in parts of Georgia or North Carolina or South Carolina, you can see that. And I, I, I'm moved by that and I'm trying to come to, to learn about that. And, and honestly, there's not much that's manifested from that yet because okay. I'm still trying to understand what are these worlds and, and, um, and how do I approach these worlds in a way that's respectful? So it gets back to an earlier question. Like the last thing I'm going to do is show up and suddenly say, oh, now I'm a craft scholar. And, <laughs> um, you know, really what yeah. we need to be doing is this, right? Um, it's very much that, that, that phase of, of listening and learning. Um, so, but that's something that's very exciting to me right yeah. now. And another thing that, that I've never really gotten to spend time writing on, but there is this tradition of social practice art and mm-hmm. what can we learn from makers who have taken these, these, these activities of imagination and construction and performance and and seeing the social as really central to what it is that they're doing what can we what can we learn from them um so i do you know that is questions that i'm getting to explore with some students right now and to me that's exciting um, to see the way that those students are 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 trying to think about how ideas from art practice can be brought into work that they're doing, whether it's around um, digital labor or around data and housing. So that's another area that yeah. I'm really interested in. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. It's such a nice way to wrap up this conversation and kind of covers a lot of so much of what we talked about. So I'm going to ask you the question that I end all of these conversations with. I'm curious what you're reading right now. I'm reading a book that I just got last week called Queering Appalachia. Mm. And it is a collection of stories and essays and vignettes um, that is about that topic, about um, oh, interesting. What, what is queerness in Appalachia, um, how do we take the idea of Appalachia and queer it? Um, so as someone who would not identify as queer and is not from Appalachia, again, this to me is, is really a, a learning moment. Yeah. Um, but that, that is what is on my, uh, that's what's on my nightstand right now. That's great. Your book is called Design is Democratic Inquiry. I loved it. I loved this conversation. It was so energizing and inspiring. I'm a big fan of your work, Carl. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm 
very pleased and it was a great conversation. This episode was recorded on April 11th, 2022. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can support the show on Patreon. You can find previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.